Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast, Episode 4. Hello. Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast with your host, Jen Hardy. Jen is an author, wife, mom of seven, and collector of eclectic diseases. Jen believes that if moms with health issues can join together to lift the veil of shame and ditch the guilt, then as a community, we will make each other stronger. I'm excited to talk to Nicole Davis today. I know her because she's currently my occupational therapist and she's been seeing me for a few months. Early on in my treatment, Nicole opened up about having fibromyalgia and that she understands what it's like to live with chronic pain and to live with an invisible illness, and that really endeared her to me. Today, Nicole is going to talk about the shame and stigma of having an invisible illness in her mid-20s. She also discusses the Graston technique and the reason she decided to get certified in it. Never heard of the Graston technique? Stick around, you'll find out all about it. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Jen. I want to say a little bit about Nicole. Now, this the name of the show is The Sick Mom's Guide, and we do cater to moms. But when there is a woman that I meet or I know that I know is going to have a significant positive impact on the show, I am going to have her on. And so Nicole is single. Some of the ladies we've got in line to be interviewed are single, but you have so much that you can learn from Nicole because she is so awesome. And I know her personally. So I just want you to know that. And I'm so happy to have you here. So if you can start by just telling a little bit about yourself. Yes, thank you. Um, okay, I'm 28. I uh, live in Nashville. Um, by my profession, I'm an occupational therapist. I've been occupational therapist for about five and a half years. Um, I have two jobs in that profession. I work part-time and I work full-time and I do focus in home health care, primarily at this point um, in the realm of pain management. I'm certified in a manual therapy technique that I know we're going to talk about that, (laughs) Um, but I'm engaged. I have a seven-month-old Labradoodle. That's crazy to keep after (laughs) and a rescue cat. And, um, yeah, I love uh, yoga and essential oils and all kinds of uh, different things that I will share. But um, yeah. Great. Okay. So what does your typical day look like? So I can honestly say with my job, no day is the same. Um, I do home health care, like I said. So I travel for work all day long. I wake up not super early because I'm not a morning person by any means. <laughs> Uh, I think you know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I kind of try to figure out my day and I'm on the run the whole rest of the day from trying to get out the door by 8, 8.30 and see patients from probably about 8, 8.30 until, you know, 5, sometimes 5.36. It depends on how the day goes. Um, I could travel upwards to like 100 plus miles a day. So it's just a very long day in the car. That's a I'm lot of time in the car. And eight o'clock for me is very early. So to me, to get yeah. up at eight o'clock for me, that would be so, so early. As you know, because you have seen me in the morning, I am I am not put together. But, oh, but I try me. my best. It used to be a lot harder. 
getting a little better as I go, um, you know, preparing for motherhood someday, you know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's, <laughs> they are, uh, you're built in alarm clocks. That is true. Yeah. So going um, through all this, what kind of illness are you dealing with? Um, myself personally. Yourself personally. Yeah. So um, in 2015, um, about in March, 2015, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, I think I had it before that. It runs in my family. My mom and my sister both have it. Um, I had symptoms present in the previous year, like 2014, and just starting to feel achy, tired all the time. Um, A kind of pain that somebody at the time I was 25, like should not experience should not be that exhausted going shopping should not be that exhausted after the day of work but that's how I felt like every single day was just miserable so in March of 2015 was when I finally got the um, courage to talk to my doctor and you know went through all that getting diagnosed and the whole process of trying to be honest with myself about how I was feeling but not have like the shame and dealing with like the stigma of what it's like to have a diagnosis like fibromyalgia, which, you know, like any kind of invisible illness is so hard to talk about because nobody knows what you're talking about when you look fine on the outside, but yet you feel so bad on the inside. So it's taken me a long time to get to where I'm at now, where I can talk about that to people because I've learned a lot of how to manage my symptoms and things that help and to a point where I want to help others. But at the time I did not really want to talk about it because I was embarrassed and I didn't really understand everything so well as I do now. Um, I guess I should mention that I also have endometriosis, which is like another type of invisible illness. And I was diagnosed with that in 2013. So that was kind of the precursor. And I have learned that some women with endometriosis then are more like a higher predisposition to get fibromyalgia especially after having some like multiple surgeries for endometriosis that help kind of go in and cauterize endometrial tissue. So, but also, like I said, my mom and my sister have it. So there's also a big genetic predisposition for endometriosis or for fibromyalgia. So that kind of combination. Um, So can we talk about that for just a second? Cause you were saying mm -hmm. something about like the shame of it. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's a big part of the reason why I'm doing the podcast is Mm -hmm. I talk about lifting the veil of shame because so many of us, um, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, single or married or, you know, parent or not a parent, there's this, this shame involved with, I think with just any chronic illness and knowing you can't be like the superwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what made you feel better about that? How did you work through that? Um, it was definitely a work in progress. I just finally found what works for me and it took me a long time. And I, it was sometime last year, I think I had it up like with my, my last doctor and there's nothing against doctors. There's, there's a time and place for, you know, that me- the medical approach to, for any, illness or anything, you know, we all need our doctors and it's just with a chronic condition like fibromyalgia, it's like you can focus on being sick and you can sit around and, and think about what medication you can take next to treat this symptom, which then causes more symptoms, or you can focus on being healthy. And once I started focusing on being healthy and doing things that make me feel healthy, I started to get better. And what I mean by that is things that just make my body feel good, like getting the right amount of sleep, getting the right 
nutrition, getting um, the ex- type of exercise that my body needs and my body craves, and then finding things like the right deep tissue massage therapist and the right acupuncturist and things like that, that when I started to combine everything, it was like aha moments, like, okay, I'm finally feeling better. And once I got to that point was like, okay, it's now, I'm now I'm at a point where I can share this with other people because I know there's people who felt like me or worse than, you know, worse than me and still feel that way that maybe if they just had like a little shred of like, okay, I've been there too, that I can come out of it. And I just finally, I just got over the fact that I really don't care what other people think. They don't have to believe me if they don't want to, because that's the thing with pain. And I know, you know, we're going to talk more about this, but when I get into with my patients about talking about pain, it's like, they just want someone to believe them. Like you just want someone to believe that your pain is a real thing. Yeah. You know this, Jen. Yes, I do. I mean, I'm so thankful that I have you. Yeah. Yeah. And your technique can see the pain. And I will talk about that later too, but that yeah. it's so um, like affirming as a patient yeah. to have someone who finally says like, I literally can see your pain. Um, and that's why you're here because I think what you're doing is so amazing. So. Well, thank you. But yeah, it's just, and, and that's how I felt for so long. It's like, well, who, do, who am I going to talk to about this? Like, oh, my, my leg hurts. I have sciatica. My back hurts. I'm not going to tell my other 25, 26 year old friends at the time who like, they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And sorry. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. But they, you know, they, nobody understands unless you're like in those shoes. And so when I finally realized I can do better with being there instead of just being ashamed and hiding it, you know, it's just, everything has gotten better for me in the process. Well, that's great. That's really good. Yes. And that's good for other people to hear too, you know, that, that you can come through and, and, you know, it's not going to end, it's not going to be over, but you know, as long as exactly. we keep moving forward and you start mm-hmm. seeing a little bit of progress towards some part of it getting better, it does make it more bearable. I think just to see a little bit of a light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Because with, I mean, with uh, chronic illness and any kind of like auto, like anything in the autoimmune realm, it's not just like, so fibromyalgia, the big thing is pain and fatigue, but it doesn't just affect pain and fatigue. And you know, it affects um, your digestive system. It affects your immune system. It affects every system, you you know, your mental health and all of those things, everything's kind of interrelated. So, you know, once you can finally see that like just being healthy. Okay. The pain's better. Oh, but you know what else is better? My digestion and I'm sleeping better and my focus is better. It's a kind of like a ripple effect. So that's how I, you know, I stopped focusing on each individual thing and how to fix it and just focused on being healthy. That's really, that's, and that's good advice for everybody too. Yeah. Cause I think especially, you know, when you have so many things, like in my body, there's just so many things um, that I literally, I couldn't address them. I'd spend all day. So yeah, just focusing on just keeping my body as healthy as it can, you know, and then take the biggest things just piece by piece and break it down because otherwise it is, it's overwhelming. And all you would do all day is think about your problems. Exactly. That is not going to make any of us feel better. So no. So if you, if this, if you got diagnosed a few years ago, then did you decide to be an occupational therapist before your diagnosis? Yes. Yeah. So I've been, you know, I went to OT school in, you know, 2007 and I've been, you know, I've been licensed since 2012. 
So, so what I'm made you decide to do that? Oh, so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. To be an OT? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I consider myself like the science nerd in high school and I loved anatomy and, and I loved biology and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to do something in healthcare, but I wasn't quite ready to like become a doctor at that point. So um, I shadowed OT, I shadowed PT. I looked at a lot of those, you know, different therapies and OT just really resonated with me because it was a different kind of therapy. You're not just helping people like through exercise. Although we do that, there's a lot of different, you know, creative ways to help people with OT and you focus on more like the person as a whole instead of breaking it down to like into a body part or specific muscle group that you're working on. Uh, Although we do those things too, but it is, it was just very intriguing to me. So I'm pretty, I'm happy I chose OT. I I am, you know, being here six years later. Um, There's times that it's overwhelming, but I'm, I'm happy I've been able to go into like a specialty kind of realm now at this point. Right. Well, I'm what I really like. Yeah. I'm happy you chose it too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So uh, so how do you think having a chronic illness yourself affects the way you see your patients and treat your patients or does it, does it change the way you see them? It it definitely does. Um, There's, you know, especially when I encounter somebody who has fibromyalgia on their chart, you know, and I go into the, you know, to see the patient and there's a lot of times where I'll, I will disclose. And I I know with you, I disclose because when I see somebody who's just, they're down and they're hurt because of the way that they feel on the inside. And they're just so tired of being sick and tired and trying to find what's wrong with them and, and going to so many doctor's appointments and being on so many medications. Um, I will often share like, Hey, I totally get it. You know, I, I know I may not look it and I'm sitting here as your therapist, but I've, I've been there too. may not be as bad as you today, but I've had my days and I know how bad that kind of pain is. Um, even just the other day, I saw somebody who was, you know, really, really suffering. And, and I looked her in the eye and I just said, you know, I believe you. Like I said, I believe that you're in this kind of pain and I know it's awful and you shouldn't have to feel this way. And I, I think, I hope it comforted her. I feel like it did. Oh, I'm sure it did. I, you know, I think for a lot of us, just hearing someone in the medical profession say, I believe you, mm-hmm. that's such a big, important thing for a lot of us because we've been told so many times it's in our head or whatever. So yeah. it's, it is nice. And that's why, you know, everyone I have on here has to have gone through some kind of health issue because it's so easy to say, well, just exercise for 30 minutes a day, you'll get better. If mm-hmm. you've never been to the point where you can't exercise for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. And that's why, you know, in this particular case and with this person, I mean, the, the, men, the mental health aspect has, was got, had gotten so bad and I didn't even disclose anything about my history. I just wanted her to know that I believed her where her pain right. was real. And so I do think I do see things from a different perspective because especially if you have a diagnosis like fibromyalgia on your chart, a lot of medical professionals, and I hate to say this because I don't, you know, want to say anything about my peers, but they just write you off. A lot of people don't believe it. Um, they, they just think, Oh, that's a dump diagnosis. It's not real. Well, it's a dump diagnosis for millions of people across the country. If it's just a dump diagnosis and there's a lot of people who present, you know, I'm in a fibromyalgia support group on Facebook and there's people who post things and I'm like, 
I totally get that. You know, we are this, you know, we're from the same mold, you know, we're, we feel the same way. We have the same symptoms. If it wasn't a condition, then it wouldn't be millions of people who feel the same way and go through the same struggles all the time. So I, I really try to um, show empathy as best I can. And that's why, you know, when we go in and talk a little bit more about what I'm certified in, I chose that because I felt it firsthand and I felt it work firsthand. And so I, I knew that that's what I needed to do as far as helping other people. All right. Well, do you want to talk about what you do, the special thing you do? I think that would be great. Yes. Yes. So I am now certified in um, what's called the Graston Technique, and it's a form of instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization. I know that's a mouthful, (laughs) but it's abbreviated IASTIM. So if you hear me say IASTIM, that's what I'm referring to. Graston Technique is a a specific type of IASTIM. There are other, you know, companies and other things out there, or there's just generic, some people who take a generic course in ISTEM and, and might do therapy that way. But what it consists of is you use an instrument, um, most, of, most of the time stainless steel, a stainless steel instrument, and with some emollient on the skin, and you glide that over the soft tissue using like a variety of strokes um, to help release soft tissue adhesions, um, trigger points, you know, what we call knots in your muscles. Um, that's what you're thinking of here. Um, you're also particularly targeting the fascia. So it's, you know, soft tissue mobilization, some type, uh, some people might consider it a type of, uh, myofascial release. Um, the fascia is what, you know, encapsulates all your muscles, your joints, your tendons. It runs throughout your body underneath a layer, a thick layer of tissue underneath your skin kind of holds everything together. So anytime there's like a trauma, an ill, you know, chronic inflammation, an injury to a joint, a muscle group, anything like that. Not only will the joint and the muscle be inflamed, you know, torn, whatever, but that fascia also becomes, you know, it, it changes the structure of the fascia. And that's what causes those kind of adhesions in the fascia, in the muscle, and um, presents causing people to have a lot of pain. So a lot of the time, even though you say you have arthritis, so you have arthritis in your knee, and although the arthritis is the cause of the pain, it's the source of the inflammation, the soft tissue around the joint is where you're actually feeling the pain from. So when you have the Graston technique or another form of myofascial release, and you're able to rework that fascia, not only will the joint move better, okay, because the inflammation, the structure around that joint will be like calm down, but the pain will significantly decrease because the pain, like I said, the source of it is actually a lot of the time in that fascia, which is I learned in my, you know, my Graston training, it's considered to be your largest sensory organ in your body. People often say that about your skin, but it's that structure right underneath the skin, that fascia. So all those nerve endings, you know, that cause you to have all that pain, that's where it's running through your fascial system. Interesting. Okay. See, and I, that's that's a good lesson in how that all works too. So we can uh, understand better. Yeah. So I was going to say, so I know that's a lot of information and I learned about the grass and technique from a coworker of mine who moved back to Tennessee from California because out in California, it's 
you know, everything's, you know, in the medical profession usually is a little bit more advanced than what, you know, and then it kind of trickles, trickles back East. Um, but I just thought it was so cool what she had, um, what she had learned. And she's just trained in ISTEM, like a generic ISTEM. And she has a stainless, I don't know if it's full stainless steel, but a tool that she uses. And she showed me, you know, I was training her on her new job, but she was showing me how to use this in in the process. And so I learned a lot and I went out and bought these little tools on Amazon. These little, like they're called gua sha tools because gua sha is actually a Chinese medicine technique. That's kind of where ISTEM got its roots from. And I practiced on myself, you know, I practiced on friends or whatever. And um, just was amazed by the difference, even just with those tools. So I finally decided, I think it was, yeah, it was last year around this time that I was, I was ready. Like I, you know, had tried, you know, learned, looked at, you know, online courses and, you know, bought myself a, a, a metal other ISDM tool at that point was working on patients and having good results that I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be the expert. I, if I was going to do it, I wanted to, to do it the right way. Right. So um, I got trained um, in my first course last July, got my instruments. And then just this January, I took my level two course and got my certification. Um, so now I'm considered to be a Graston technique specialist. And um, I'm excited where that will take me, but it's been very, very um, eye-opening in, in the ways I've been able to help people since getting since getting this training. Right. And not just anybody can be Graston certified because I was I was doing some research before I interviewed you. So like I yeah. could just go and be certified in that. You have to already be a medical professional to be able to do that. So um, if you find somebody that says that they're doing it and they're not a medical professional, that's not really what they're doing. <laughs> yes. so be cautious, you know, and I would, it would be a recommendation too and, and who you're having to do it. But um, oh, it's such a wonderful thing. I know when I'm having pain, um, Nicole actually does the Graston technique for me and it greatly reduces my pain. And at first it may be a little bit more pain while it's happening. Um, but the next day, oh my goodness, it's, I've got so much relief from it. And I mean, it's not painful by any means. Um, it's just like pressure sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's so, so nice. And I think a lot of times just having a hands-on thing too, when you have a chronic illness, especially if you're isolated, um, having something like that where you've got somebody helping you work with your body, that component of it is also healing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got the t- technique itself and then you've got somebody who's coming in saying, I care about you enough that I'm going to help you do this thing, working with your body. Um, it's, it's just, it's a different approach than taking a medicine. And obviously if you need a medicine, you know, take the medicine, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's a nice auxiliary or complementary thing to have. And I know personally, it's helped me a great deal, which is why I wanted Nicole to be here today. Um, yeah, because it's really fascinating. Uh, some This different, completely different yeah. thing to me. So yes. hopefully other um, people can learn too. Yeah. So I just wanted to add a little bit more about that. Yeah, please. Um, I've, I've mentioned it to people, you know, that I've been trained and some people are like, Oh, I've had that before. And that was awful. It was the most painful thing ever. And I had bruises and, you know, it was very uncomfortable. And so 
I'd just like to say that it's a little bit of like a stigma with it because people have done forms of, like I said, ISTEM over the years and refer to it that, oh, I'm doing Graston technique when it's not actually Graston technique. Um, In my courses, I've learned that you are not supposed to bring anyone to the point of bruising intentionally. Okay. If you notice that the skin's getting you know, too red, too quickly, the, this color's changing on the skin um, at a rapid rate and it looks like it's going to bruise, that's when you should stop. You're not supposed to use that much pressure that you're going to, you know, the person's in agony the whole time. There's a lot of research and, and Graston Technique as a company continues to do more and more research. And um, in fact, one of their educators who was, you know, part of the team, they she left Grass and Technique, the company, so that she could go and do unbiased research. Like she's no longer paid by them so right. that she can show, you know, the differences that you can make on the tissue that you're manipulating. Um, just, you know, because like I tell you the time we're, we're increasing blood flow to the area, you know, we're stimulating like new cell, you know, growth and the, you know, all that kind of stuff is going on. And so when you're able to prove that through like a, a double blind study, um, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. And grass and technique on their website, they have so much good information on there and and the different uh, levels of research that are available and several articles that have been published already. Um, but the, the science has proven that you are going to increase, you know, the, the circulation and, you know, help with tissue healing and tissue proliferate, all this stuff that happens when, when somebody's healing from an injury, you're going to do that um, with light pressure, um, uh, you don't need to do it with such heavy pressure all the time. So you're going to increase your pressure with people, you know, in some, some cases like yourself who have tight, painful muscles, like you have trigger points, you have things that need to be released. So maybe you'll do a little bit more of a medium, uh, to not, I wouldn't say fully heavy pressure. You don't really need to. That's the nice thing about having a tool in your hand to do it for you. Whereas a massage therapist would be like elbow deep trying to get that trigger point out. You don't need to necessarily do that with the Graston technique. Um, I should mention, you know, there's some, obviously there's contraindications to any kind of intervention. So for people that are on blood thinners, you know, you, you have to be cautious, you know, any kind of infection. I mean, and this is all listed on the Graston technique website too, but you know, if somebody has an open wound, I'm not doing it over any open wound. If somebody has a fracture, I'm not doing it over any fractures. I can do it in the areas like, you know, around the fracture. So if somebody has a broken shoulder and they have inflammation all the way down their arm, I can do it at their lower, you know, above their elbow, their lower arm. Um, but I would not be doing it over an unhealed fracture. That wouldn't be smart. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't sound like it would be fun for the patient. Either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, those are just some takeaway points, but just know that, you know, if your friend or whatever had a bad experience with somebody doing grass and technique, that's not the proper way to do it, um, to bruise or cause that kind of, that kind of significant pain afterwards. Um, if you look up pictures online of of images, you might see some people with bruising, um, that's more typical for gua sha. If you want to see a, you know, traditional gua sha practitioner, you probably would leave with bruising, but grass and technique, they, I mean, 
obviously it's it's embraced by western medicine and everything like that so they're not they're not trying to make you leave you know looking like you went through i don't even know bad you have all these battle wounds all over yourself after therapy that's not the point it is a it is a precaution and i tell people you might bruise a little bit you might have some tenderness afterwards but it's not something that is expected with every treatment okay well that's really good to know and i'll put a link in the show notes um, for, for Graston. So if you can give me the best link, um, we can have that in the notes. Yeah. And absolutely. that way people can look it up and we'll have your contact information if anyone's in the Nashville area and is interested in trying it or they're going to be coming here. Um, that would be really good for them to know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So what advice would you give a woman who is going through chronic health issues, be it, you know, chronic illness, chronic pain, anything like that? What is your best advice? Um, I would honestly say, I guess, kind of reiterating what I said earlier is to, you know, if you find something that works for you, you know, if you have a day of that you feel better, you know, pay attention to that and try to focus more on that. Yeah, it's real. I know it's sometimes it's hard and it's not a one size fits all kind of thing because just because something helped me doesn't mean it's going to help the next person, especially when, you know, there's depression and anxiety types of, you know, mental health issues involved because once you're in that cycle, sometimes it's hard to get out of it uh, with depression, you know, but I would say focus on just being healthy. So break it down into what what are the things that make somebody healthy? Do they exercise? Do they, do they, what do they eat? How much sleep do they get? Um, and listen to your body. So, you know, if your body's saying, hell no, I ain't exercising today. I don't, I ain't going to do it. Listen to your body. Um, there's times where, yeah, I, I don't, I don't keep up and do the things I should be doing. I'm not always the best at getting the right amount of sleep. Um, but you know, after a couple of days of doing that, I know I'm like, okay, I need to sleep tonight because if I don't tomorrow, I'm going to feel absolutely terrible. And I know it's harder when you have kids and it's, it's harder when you have so many things going on, but just trying to take it one day at a time and just do something. My personal advice would do something for yourself. So I didn't really get into this, like what I do for myself to manage my symptoms. And what I do is self-care. I made self-care a priority in 2016, maybe, or 2017. I don't know. It's been for a while, though. So I do deep tissue massage about twice a month. I do acupuncture twice a month. Uh, I used to do acupuncture once a week. I used to go to the chiropractor like twice, twice a month or once a month. Um, I, I haven't gone to the chiropractor in a little while. I think I'm feeling a little bit better without so many adjustments right now. So I'm just kind of going to go as an as needed basis, but I take a lot of supplements, a lot of dietary supplements that help just improve my energy, improve my pain. And I'm not talking medications. I'm talking like herbs and supplements that, you know, are there's so many things there's so much stuff out there that can help with this kind of stuff it's just finding what works for you and not being afraid to try something new um and i use essential oils and then as far as exercise i do yoga because yoga is what makes my body feel good it's not um 
super strenuous, but I, I, I do hot yoga. So I get cardio, um, which helps you know, That's what you need to do is cardio. That's going to get your endorphins going. It's going to make you feel better. And with the hot yoga, you're getting out a lot of toxins. So with fibromyalgia, a lot of, you know, your muscles are sore and your body feels, you, you know, you got all those trigger points, getting those toxins out really helps with relieving that kind of pain. So those are probably the main, the main big things that I do and have helped me. So for other people who feel similar, it's finding what works for you. It's not, there's things that aren't going to work for everybody, but and just making that a priority. I know that's probably hard when you have multiple kids and putting, putting yourself first, but if you can at least pick one day a week that you can put yourself first, one day where you take an hour to do something that's going to help your body. I mean, that will make a big difference over time. Okay. That's really good advice. That's a lot. That's really good. Okay. And the last thing is what is your superpower? (laughs) My superpower. Goodness. Um, I, I guess I would say just my, just being flexible and just being open-minded in, in throughout this whole process of, you know, being diagnosed and, you know, wanting to learn things that are going to help myself and help others. So I'd say a little bit of it's like my personality traits, but just, I don't know, some people are a little bit more hesitant to try new things, like go into and do an acupuncture table and just, yeah, lay it on me. Let's get these needles, you know, let's try it out. Um, But I think uh, it's made it really fun for me being able to try new alternative therapies. And so I'm now trying to share that through my blog and my Instagram, like the different things that I've tried over the years to help with pain and to help with just improving my overall health um, from things like uh, different essential oils and different supplements to um, flotation therapy and acupuncture and all that stuff. So I started my blog this year in September or last year in September, 2017. So it's only been about six months and I still have a lot of work (laughs) in progress, but, um, you know, if anybody listens to this one day and checks it out, I'm still getting a lot of content on there, but I hope one day to be able to share more and get my story out there that I can help more people. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll have links to that as well. So people can check out all the things that you've tried and they can see what it's like through your eyes. Yeah. Always good and interesting. And if there's something someone looks at and thinks, Oh, I've always wanted to try that. They can see a little bit of it and see if that's the direction they want to go. So Absolutely. Awesome. That's, that's all I'm hoping. If I can help goodness, you know, one person from it, then that's worth it for me. So. Well, you have helped one person. I can tell you that right now. Oh, <laughs> so thank you. And hopefully we can reach out and help more. So thank yes, you again so. for being here today. I really appreciate yes. you taking the time to do that and uh, hearing all your valuable information. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Me too, Jen. I'll see you this week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So I finally understand how fascia works. Thank you again, Nicole. And thank you for listening to us today. If you like the show, please subscribe. That really helps me out. Our intro today was by Nikki Brown, and the music is A New Day by Scott Holmes. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.